Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to Ambridge on the Couch, an in-depth look at the Archers with me, Harriet Carmichael and Lucy Freeman. Before we dive in, let's remind ourselves what happened last week with Lucy's Week in Ambridge. We began the week with Neil making noises like a rusty bike again. Neil <laughs> is resigning the chairmanship of the parish council. Don't go, said Shula. You're the only person who likes me. I don't, said Neil. <laughs> go and see Alan again. He gets paid to listen to annoying people. Crusty popped over to Brookfield to do a recce of a barn, which was odd as she performed in it last year. But hey-ho, Crusty has gone completely mad and wants shepherds <laughs> dotted around the village, presumably with tea towels around their heads held on with elastic bands, and a shining angel shining in the sun above them, presumably dropped from a plane or maybe hovering like Iron Man. And anyway, what does she mean, sun? April in the Midlands. The angel will be in a cagoule and even the sheep will be moaning about it being a bit nippy. They're going to have shepherds watching their flocks while the flocks are in a pen. If they're in a pen, why do they need shepherds? Maybe they're special pole vaulting sheep and that's why David is so keen to keep them. Shula came over and sat on Alan's doorstep again until he got home. He's used to it now. He just steps over her to get in if she's nodded off. She was having a dither again. Sometimes you feel as if you can't solve anything when you're a vicar, said Alan. I mean, I definitely can't solve anything because I hardly ever leave the house. I'm a bit wobbly about God, to be honest. (laughs) Shuna's questions, namely, do I have the capability to deal with difficult people? No. You drove a homeless man out of the village. You committed perjury. You had an affair, got divorced and told a distressed and vulnerable woman to stop being silly. Do I have the judgment to make difficult decisions? No. See above. And am I prepared for the change in the way my family and friends perceive me? Well, I shouldn't think that will change, Shula Love. You'll still be annoying, just annoying in a dog collar. (laughs) It was a year ago on Monday, the explosion at Gay Grable's. Well, well, doesn't time fly when you're listening to monologues and not going out? (laughs) Neil has asked Emma to take over from him on the parish council. Does there not have to be a vote or something? Or is this the benign dictatorship Emma was talking about when she went on the couch? Maybe the Carters are part of the Qatari royal family and no one told us, although I can't see Susan keeping that quiet, to be honest. Brian popped in to see David about letting his sheep have a sleepover at home farm. We'll give you a grazing licence, said Brian excitedly. Extended at weekends so that the sheep can eat grass until two in the morning as long as they leave quietly and don't disturb the neighbours. Jazza had gone into the shop to have a sulk as they were completely out of sulk at home when Alice decided to have a baby right there next to the multi-pack of frazzles. <laughs> Can you tell me what you see now, Jazza? asked the midwife. I'm seeing far more than I ever wanted to, said Jazza. The baby popped out and Jazza wrapped it in Jim's bangle jumper. Alice is so lucky to have you, Chris, said Emma. You stand by her through thick and thin. You're thick and she's thin. It's perfect. <laughs> She's bloody lucky she didn't have David with her. He'd have slapped her on the arse and had her running up and round the field an hour later. <laughs> Alan was hiding from his parishioners again in Borchester when Chris spotted him in a false beard and glasses eating a hot dog in the hospital cafe. <laughs> Can you bless my daughter? He asked. Eh? said Alan. Oh, is this a God thing? Yes, probably then. <laughs> he stood there waving his arms around as this bewildered child stared up at him and said, As Jesus said... Was it Jesus? <laughs> Protect us. We ask you to do the same for poor old Martha Woodford Jazzington Carter. 
<laughs> In an aside, it is 18 years today since my daughter was born and my yeah. boobs still went funny when I heard all the newborns wailing away on the sound effects. <laughs> Marvellous motherhood, isn't it? <laughs> Susan put on, put on her, Hey all, why don't you bugger off? We need to talk about grown-up things, voice. And he dutifully did, poking his head round the door of operating theatres and asking them if they knew where he could find a vending machine. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the village, Linda has some berserk idea about keeping this play all top secret. Why? Why, why, why? God knows small village productions of religious plays surely need all the sodding publicity they can get. Unfortunately, Clary had not got the memo and has been practising her king voice. She has been wandering around the village, bellowing at people like Brian Blessed, and she's grown a beard specially. Krusty <laughs> pointed out that that didn't really constitute keeping it quiet, and in her role as Linda's henchwoman, has had to sack her off the production. <laughs> Bleating, but I only told Susan, didn't really help her cause. <laughs> Clary did point out that her extended family constitutes pretty much the rest of the entire cast. Therefore, they will all immediately come out on strike in support of Clary. So once again, a village production will be in jeopardy. Oh no, what shall we do? Tell you what, let's skip it. Leave it. Say, oh well, never mind. We can swerve this one. And because no one knows about it, it doesn't matter. How's that for a revolutionary idea? I know, I know. Who am I kidding? The end. <laughs> what a week. <laughs> it, it wasn't, it, it, wasn't it? <laughs> just, just, I've just got a checklist. Did you hear me laughing? Yes. Oh, good. No, that's good. I was, I, because I have to. Not as loud as normal. No, because I don't want to overpower you because because of our levels <laughs> issue. Yes, but, yes, but I, I don't want to drown you. laughing that I think, oh dear, I'm not very funny this week. And Harry I, doesn't love me anymore. I that's what to, I think. I have to crouch far away and laugh at the curtain. <laughs> Worried that you might not hear me laughing and you'd lose all your energy. You crouch far away and laugh from the curtain. And I'm also trying to laugh subtly. Right. Whereas no. you know I want to guffaw loudly. Can we go back to the guffawing loudly? Because I miss it. Yeah, but then people miss your it. jokes. Do you know what? I don't care. This is about me, not them. Okay. I'll t- you know, I could, I suppose I could turn my levels down or something, but then I'd forget to turn them up again, wouldn't I? Yes, you would. Look, I don't think anyone is listening to this podcast for technical competence. And if they are, they need their heads testing, because I think we proved on many occasions that that's, that's not something we offer, really. Okay, okay. Yes. And um, B... Yes. Happy birthday, Tilly! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> She's 18! I know, I've made an adult! How did I do that? No, no wonder you cried when <sighs> little Martha Woodford <laughs> Jasmington Jollington was born. <laughs> I like I like the fact that she's called Martha. Yeah, or Martha, as presumably love... she's going to be called, as most Marthas are called nowadays. Martha. I, I like... don't know any Marthas, but I know a lot of Marthas. <laughs> That's because you're in South London, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? I thought it was having Jasmine as her middle name was brilliant. Yes. It was really a, a very well chosen name that Alice and Chris definitely wouldn't have been able to choose in their current state of mind. <laughs> it's the last thing they would have been thinking about. <laughs> well, she would have been Martha Martini Rosso Jacob's Creek. <laughs> Um, why is the mystery plays why are the before we go on to the birth why oh, yeah. are the mystery the plays dramatic secret bit. oh I got it really confused me actually that whole bit with Clary being fired mm. I was like what I mean I knew obviously they have to be secret presumably so that Darrington don't know that they're doing one as well I don't, I don't know oh I'd forgotten about Darrington no but that was later we didn't find out about Darrington until after Clary after had originally said it's it all secret, secret. yeah 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 so yeah why was it ever secret that um and if Clary's going to be sacked then Harrison should be sacked too because he's yeah. told everyone he's Jesus guess what, guess what <laughs> I am I'm Jesus well Kirsty, if you're <laughs> going to sack me I know who Jesus is <laughs> More than Alan does. Um, I don't... Uh, I just don't understand. It's... The whole village is in this thing. Mm. Who, yes, yes. Who is coming to see it? Because nobody in their right mind. 
is in a lockdown going to travel to another county to watch a load of people dressed up as shepherds in dressing gowns wandering around a field? And Lisa they're Shepherd not have... going to come if they don't even know it's on because no one's told them because it's secret. At least the shepherds will be naturally masked. That's true. In their tea towels. That's true. Oh, did you hear uh, Jim doing his mask voice when he was stopping the traffic? Cool. Yes. <laughs> Uh, at least Alice didn't have to wear a mask for her delivery. That's true. It would have been a bit muffled, all the moaning. Yeah. Um, Poor Jazza, though. I know we have to come on to that later. But I just... When it was... I, 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 it stood out for me as well when she went, what can you see, Jazza? I know. It was like, ah! Oh, God! I hope I never have to see anything like that again! That doesn't like anything like Jeeves! <laughs> Um, but back to the mysteries it is all a mystery because you're right who everyone's in it so they've got no audience and even if they're not in it they must know about it because they're married to the people that are in it (laughs) exactly oh god it's so stupid it was just such a strange turn of events that clary got fired (laughs) and the way that kirsty was like you're fired. <laughs> so way un- to go breaking it to her gently, blooming hell. <laughs> Kirsty's gone from like vulnerable yeah. victim to Alan Sugar suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Um, I didn't understand. I don't. I just don't think Kirsty would have. Kirsty just wouldn't have cared enough to have gone, you know, she'd have said, don't be ridiculous, Linda. And that would have been that. She wouldn't have. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. It, it was so unbelievable. Like, There's Linda's, no Linda's way. Linda's like sitting in her lair with a she- in her shepherd's hut with a cat on her lap going, go yes. and tell him he's fired. Get so rid actually, of them Lin- all. I hate them all. <laughs> Linda is Alan Sugar and yeah. Kirsty is Nick. <laughs> but it was, and also... Every year, she absolutely busts a gut trying to bully, cajole, persuade, bribe people into being in the play. Because no, who, I know life is boring in Ambridge, but blimmin' hell, you have to give up so much time to do these things. And then you get someone to finally agree, and she's a woman who's, you know, Running her home, she's got about 18 jobs, she's got a useless husband and she's got extended family that she's looking after. She agrees to take on a major role and then the first thing you do is fire her. Who, also, I think know. for all her hard work about finding her character, that it's just unacceptable that yeah. they fire her at this Unacceptable is what it is, she, unacceptable. You know, Lucy, she should have checked her contract yeah. because <laughs> effectively she started the job already, so... It's just dialectity. Hi, but why, it's Clary Grundy. Why, uh, but just it, checking. Is it like part? Is it now a story? Like I just couldn't really understand why she was fired. Is Susan now going to get that role, and that's going to oh, be the, god. the sort of story? Oh god! And, oh, and then no. and then you know and then uh, and then Susan will break her leg, and Clary yeah. can do it again. Yeah, Clary will push down the stairs. <laughs> Bash around the end with a bit of yogurt. <laughs> I d- yes, or but also, Eddie is going to be up in arms. Um, Maybe Mia be a strike is going to be yeah. up in arms. They're all going to they're all, they're not going to do it if Clary's been fired. I ain't going to do it if Clary's not doing yeah, it. Yeah, but can I have a chickpea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just one. Really... <laughs> I think they're. I yeah. I think they'd all go well. Right, sod off then. If you're going to be like that, mm. get yes. lost. Yes. I mean, Kirsty, what's got into you, love? And then, so then half the cast has disappeared overnight. Oh, why can't they ever just do a production that's just, you know. And also, I have to say, I mean, all this is bringing out a bit of Philip in Kirsty, isn't it? <laughs> Treating her staff so badly. Well, she did say. <laughs> firing them without a moment's notice. She did say, I don't want to have to do this. <laughs> and then did it. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have yes. to do this. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> She's discovered the allure of power. <laughs> and honestly, you would say to Linda, I think this is stupid. Do it yourself. If you want to get rid of Clary, do it yourself. <laughs> I mean, Kirsty didn't even want to be the producer in the first place, apparently. Well, we never heard so... her agreeing to be it. 
<laughs> By the way, when was the bit when they said that, that this baby was actually called Martha Jasmine? I mean, yeah, Jasmine. They did uh, in the NICU with the doctor. Uh, and oh. Alice just, Alice was like, oh, Chris, you just... She, Alice didn't really want to have anything to do with no. anything about it. I heard and so, her say Martha and she said, well, I, you know, I'm... Chris I'm, had, I think Chris had already... Maybe, I know, Alan, Alan had said, oh, have you got a name oh, for the baby? that's right. And then the next day, Alice sort of said, oh, well, you liked Martha, so let's call it Martha. But where's the Jasmine bit then? When did they talk about it? That we only found out about when um, Alan did his blessing, didn't oh. he? And then he read the full name out, I think, or... Or, or somebody, you know, because uh, Brian said, oh, and her middle name begins with J. Yeah. And then it was cut to Alan yeah. doing the name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Jazza deserves a little bit more than a bacon sandwich and a bottle of whiskey, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, when Jim was like, oh, Brian, this is too generous. I was thinking, oh, my God, hang on a minute. <laughs> Not only did they literally probably save her life, Alice's yeah. life and the baby, but they delivered a baby on the side of the road. This is this isn't just a bot. Oh, thanks, so thanks so much, guys. I heard you were a help. No, Brian. Oh my God, you should be handing your house over to them yes, or something. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's not even like Jazz is a farmer. She could of all the people, you know, anybody. She could have had David, Neil, Clary, yes. Eddie, anybody, Ruth. You know, really, would have known Jim, what to do, and he gets she gets a milkman and a and a and a and a, and a, a Roman historian. I'm surprised they didn't just call Ruth instead of call. You know, who could have been there quicker than an ambulance? You know, to deliver. Right. If, you know, if there's a baby, if I, if I was delivering a baby and there was no ambulance inside, I'd be like, look, just get me Pip or or right. anyone who has at least put their hands in a bottom and put something. <laughs> out. <laughs> But you know, like they, it's sort of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, also, what's so funny is that the next day, Jazza was like, all right. It was like, it was so nonchalant, wasn't he? Presumably, if you'd you'd delivered someone's baby, you'd be like, you'd have this sort of, you know, um, adrenaline and shock. You'd be in shock. And also, yeah. you'd also, but you'd be in shock and the Borchester Echo because there's nothing a <laughs> yeah. local paper likes more than a picture of some <laughs> grinning Herbert next to a baby that it's delivered, someone's delivered in the back of an ice they, cream van or they something. They should have called Susan's friend, that moody journalist. They should have, she would have, that would have been her scoop. Yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, they were, they were so laid back about it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Had a good look, actually, Brian. It's, uh, yeah, and she's in good form down there, actually. <laughs> Jazza! Thank Listen you. to intricacies. <laughs> Mask! <laughs> He'd be good in a, in a in surgery, wouldn't he, Jim? Yes. Mask! Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Miss Carmichael, tell us mm. about... Your, no, uh, seriously... Because yeah. I was thinking of you when all this was happening, because two years ago? Two years ago, yes, well, two and a bit years ago, you, I had a premature baby. And you, you, we discussed the fact that you were pregnant and you were a bit surprised at being <laughs> pregnant, I think it's best to say. Yes, because it was the fourth, it was... Yes. Yes, uh, yes, I had three kids and they were all born on practically the same day, all two years apart. And Rupert then I... lucky day. <laughs> It's lucky day, and it was a big joke. And then I got pregnant again, and and it was it was more of a surprise. Mm. And so it was a bit of a shock. And because it was a bit of a shock, I didn't really tell anyone because it was taking us some time to process. And then the next thing you know, I'd had the baby because you because... went to Canada. Yes, I, I yes. I mean, it was a bit of a different pregnancy anyway but no one was worried because I'd had three healthy kids so and then but then I thought well I don't know why probably a good idea to go to Canada with my (laughs) three kids (laughs) and one of them was only three well heavily pregnant but I wasn't heavily pregnant I was barely five months and then in Canada I I thought I was losing the baby and went to hospital it was in fact it was the day I mean it was the night that we got there really I think Although people say the flight had nothing to do with it, I just mm. I just think it was the only thing Different it triggered thing. something. Mm. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I went to Canada and and had had a week in hospital there. 
and then came home and went in and out of hospital. But no one really thought the baby would come. I don't I got, know. What... I never forget getting that message from you saying, <laughs> I said, hi, you've been quiet. How are you? And you said, um, well... I've had the baby and I was like, yeah. what? and I was looking at my calendar thinking, how long have I not spoken to Harriet for? That can't be right. <laughs> I had barely told anyone. God. And then, I mean, because he was, I was 25 weeks pregnant when he was born. 25 weeks plus three. So, yeah, and and of course, and it just felt like a, a bad dream. Mm. And it was very surreal, very surreal. And like Alice, I just couldn't, you know, you just literally can't get your head around it because... In your head, you've, you know, I hadn't, I had barely been pregnant. I didn't even really have a bump. So it was just very difficult to, to comprehend and a horrible nightmare. And then like Alice, you instantly feel, well, detached because your baby's taken away mm-hmm. and you, you know, and I, did, I didn't really feel like I'd had a, a labour even. It was when, when, because it was, um, because I'd gone into labour and, and I had to be, uh, go to delivery there were five 25 weekers born that night and so the NICU was really busy and so that's the natal oh sorry yeah the the, um what's it stand for neonatal um intensive care unit yeah yeah Um, and so there was because there were so many of us having premature babies that night it was bonfire night (laughs) (laughs) they they said to me because I wasn't having contractions I was just dilated and and bleeding and they said okay you've got 10 minutes to to deliver the baby and I was like okay but um I haven't got any contractions and they were like you haven't got time to have contractions you just got to get that baby out so I just had 10 minutes what would happen after 10 minutes because the neonate the neonatal doctors because there's like 20 because it's obviously literally life and death for the baby they have about 20 um neonatal uh doctors in there who have to then resuscitate the baby and put in the you know yeah so and and because they were so oops sorry because they were so busy um they had to move on to the next pregnant person who was about to deliver a 25 weeker yeah so I literally had a really small window and they got like a Tesco bag out and were like okay just push and we're going to catch the baby in this (gasps) plastic bag and (laughs) it was probably a sterile Tesco bag but it was very dramatic and very um Oh, good you know, God. Uh, yes, there was no sort of like, okay, yeah. darling, take your time. Light the candles. Oh, Let's yeah, yeah. Well done, Mum. <laughs> get yeah, it out! <laughs> if you don't get this baby out in 10 minutes, it has no chance of survival. Oh, so it was pretty Lord. horrible. And they didn't, yeah, they didn't have time for any, you know, that, 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 that extreme prematurity. You're supposed to have steroids and magnesium and lots of things to help the baby, but there was no time, which... I was fortunate he Rex was health well you know as healthy as a 25 weeker can be when he was born but it was horrible it was it was just like an it was like a nightmare I had my eyes shut for the whole thing and then they took him away and I just didn't want to see him you know and, and actually I didn't see him for about 12 hours I don't think because they have to stabilize the babies and yeah really what I'd really did feel like Alice at first like I what, just had did you not want to see him because you didn't want to bond with him in case I just just couldn't, I, you know, I just was so frightened about seeing him because I knew he was going to look like an alien and, Mm. and, and actually, and I was, yeah, I was so frightened about, I mean, I don't know how long it was. It's all, I don't really remember much actually. I think I was, I don't really remember to be honest, but I, yeah, I definitely didn't want to see him because I knew I was going to be, you know, upset Mm. by what he looked like. And actually, and, and then when I did finally go up, I looked into the incubator and uh, honestly, the relief of seeing, although he looked like an alien, he was bright red and, you know, his eyes were sort of fused together. It, he looked, he still looked like a baby mm. and it was such a relief. It was such a relief to know that I'd had a baby mm. <laughs> and, and you know, not a, but it, you know, it was horrible. It was like a terrible nightmare. And then the first, because he was only 25 weeks, there's a, when when Alice, you know, Alice had her baby at 30 four weeks so your chances are great you know because the baby's cooked but at 25 at 23 to 25 weeks you only really have a 50 50 chance yeah unbelievable yes he was about i don't know his his um body was about 10 centimeters long if that and yeah they give you um like this little blanket square Mm. and you put one in your boob Mm. um to get the sort of smell of you on it and then you 
and then they put one in his incubator and then you swap them around mm. so that he can smell you and you can smell mm. him. Do you think he'll always feel different to you or special to you because of... Yeah, definitely. Because even though it's... I, th- I think, again, like Alice, you know, although, I mean, they... You know, like 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 as Alice should have. As soon as you go and see your baby, you're going, uh, uh, and then the next thing you know, the psychologist has got her hand on your shoulder and she's going, "Okay, mummy. You know, you may be feeling guilty. Mm. You may be, you know. I mean, literally, you couldn't move for mm. counsellors and psychologists. And um, but I think even though a bit like Chris, even though everyone's like, look, the the baby's fine. Mm. You know, he's gonna live. He, you can't help but think, you know, Rex is fine, but but you can't help but think, but what if this hadn't mm. happened? You know, what about the, you know, will he, he maybe Rex will be a bit smaller. Yeah, totally. And it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And also the care that, the care that obviously the babies had was incredible, but the care that the parents had was amazing. I mean, you know, like, as I said, you literally you turn around and go, because there was like a, another <laughs> psychologist there going, hi, Hetty, are you okay? Do you want to go and grab a coffee? And I'd be like, oh my God, no, it's fine. Honestly, I'm really fine. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with me. <laughs> but the care from the nurse, from everybody was so amazing. That, And also, I suppose, because if, if the nurses know that Alice had her, um, you know, had uh, uh, problems with alcohol, uh. then she would get double the amount of... Um, sort of uh, special yeah. help, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel guilty about going to Canada? Was that the thing that made yeah. you think, I did, I've did? i done this wrong, I don't, this is my fault? I th- yes, for, the Canada thing for ages, like even now, I just think, why did I think it was okay to go mm. to Canada? But it's more, I think actually now, um, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't have... You know, I was picking up my three-year-old, I was, you know, running to get them from school and... I, you know, my, in my head, it was like I was probably overdoing it. But then the doctors would say, or the the, my, the psychologists would say, it's probably more to do with the way your placenta was formed mm. and it wasn't formed properly. But ultimately, they don't know. And there is a, there's another charity called the Born Charity, B-O-R-N-E, and they do research into why people have premature births because most, in most cases, they don't know the reason. So the the alcohol, the drinking, I, I mean, you know, this was the, the first pregnancy I had where I didn't even touch a drop of alcohol <laughs> in the others. I was like, oh, glass of red wine. Thank you very much. Because I was a bit older for this one. I yeah. was really careful. And um, but but yeah, apparently drinking alcohol can bring it on pollution. They uh. think they're doing more, more research into that can bring it on. But they said probably it's just the way your placenta was formed yeah. but even though they say that you go yeah but maybe if I hadn't done this mm. and yeah I'll always think that but really know. even though you know rationally yeah, it could have been anything but you still could you, rationally you it could have been anything mm. but you know but what you know perhaps if I'd mm. but um yeah well at least you didn't end up giving birth in the back of a Riley for the Biltman I know and well Rex wouldn't have survived no <laughs> Thank God I was in the NICU. Thank God I lived 10 minutes from the hospital. I did like <laughs> Emma and Chris's bonding over it, though. Yeah, that was sweet. That was Yeah, but Chris was so annoyed, though, wasn't yeah. he? As you would be. And I thought Emma was a bit like... I was thinking, it's not you giving birth, yeah. Emma. She was a bit... I don't know, because I think it's really the shock. You're more in shock than mm. than in panic, I think. I think, you know, when you're so shocked because you really can't believe something's real that you're totally calm, Mm. you know, like I wondered if actually Emma would be a bit more like, what? Uh, Okay, okay. You know, it's like because your brain hasn't really understood what's happening. Elizabeth Jane Howard wrote about having... (laughs) I love love how to... Um, She wrote about when you're really looking forward to something and you have a really strong image of what it's going to be like, when it doesn't happen... When the things happened, you have two memories. You have the memory of what you thought it was going to be like as a memory, and then you have the memory of what it was actually like. You know, that applies to labour and everything. So people can actually have a memory of the labour they thought they were going to have, and then they didn't. And then they have the well, real memory yeah, yeah. of what it was like. And I wonder well, if that's... Yeah. If that's I, what, I what it that... would be like for, for um, uh, Alice, 
yeah wanting that sort of I want to do everything perfectly I want to do everything perfectly yeah because I you know I I, I was so lucky with my first three it was um they were hard but you know when when you have a baby you know with no complications it's incredible isn't it that mm-hmm. feeling and and that those that those sort of that rush of adrenaline you get and I really grieved not having that with mm. Rex you know I, I felt like I, I didn't I feel like I had him but was never but didn't give birth to him you had him of. by accident he just sort yeah. Of appeared yeah. yeah yeah also because those babies belong to the hospital for the first yeah. few months of their life they yeah. don't really belong to you until the last week or so before you go home yeah and that's quite difficult you know especially if you've had kids before it's quite hard when the mother when the nurse goes yeah um actually okay, can you not yeah can you not really touch him like that yeah. i'm like oh my god i'm oh, sorry sorry mm. i didn't know i was supposed to touch him a certain way <laughs> but it is quite hard <laughs> yes no exactly because also different nurses ex- have different yeah different ways of yeah. looking after a baby yeah and um yeah but I think for Alice, I think, I suppose she's, it's like the reality of what she's done has all come tumbling down mm. on her. Even though the baby, you know, they've said, didn't they, that they didn't see many. But I think you're always waiting as well. Yeah. Even if the hospital says yeah. there are no signs now, yeah. you're like, okay, well, because they say to us as well, you know, that in two years, you know, we'll do these tests. Yeah. And then in six years, yeah. we'll do these tests. So I guess it's sort of like a waiting game. Which is pretty horrible because then you can't quite relax and mm. enjoy your baby. Mm. You're, you know, they, Chris and Alice will be constantly looking for signs, I suppose, of um, fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah. Well, hopefully they won't, but it, it's, you know, you can't quite relax and enjoy your baby as you should, I think. Well, they're so, I mean, they're so snappy with each other at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, but um, I mean... That's like every couple, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, but there should have been a mo- But it's because I knew this would happen because Chris, now, his focus is on the baby, yeah. not on Alice anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I think we've said before that will probably drive her to drink again. Yeah, and he's almost like protecting the baby from Alice. So Yeah, yes, exactly. Because he couldn't do it when she was inside, he had to trust Alice. Now he doesn't have to trust her anymore. And he's like, yeah. no, okay, no, I need to be there. She will be safe with me. Mm-hmm. What did he say to her? to little Martha Um, when he was holding her something about you're safe with me now you're safe now yeah Yeah. and And Alice is that'd be nice to hear if you're already Alice is um submitting to that as well isn't she you know letting Chris make the decisions and Chris hold him but you know what when when, uh, the doctor was like oh you know do you want to hold your baby Alice and she went oh Chris can do it yeah that would have, if that had been in the hospital we were at, they basically the doctor would have like texted the psychologist. <laughs> they, Alice would have been swarmed a, on. A SWAT and team would have come down, <laughs> forced into a chair, yeah. bra taken off, exactly and that baby slapped feeling. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you've got to, yeah, yeah, if you can, you've got to do that skin to skin ASAP. Yeah. Well, it is Borchester General, though. I don't think they've heard of psychology. I know. It's such a shame, isn't it? Because I was literally at the best hospital you could ever be at if you have a premature baby. But maybe it's not as good as that <laughs> elsewhere. Oh, well, I did, again, like, love the um, total lack of COVID restrictions in that uh, Susan and Neil could just go ambling into the labour ward. Have but a, I didn't have a look understand around. that. Because first of all, they said, uh, Chris or somebody said, oh, well, obviously our parents can't be there. Yeah. Didn't he? And then... Yeah. But then, <laughs> then, yeah, then, but then... then a different writer took over and said, <laughs> yes, come on in. It's absolutely fine. I mean, <laughs> that that is... Because, uh, you know, in during COVID, in, those, in the NICU, I think the... I mean, I think the the mums and dads were allowed there, but but it was very difficult. I think you know, like if they had the slightest cold, they yeah. weren't allowed to go. No, and definitely they weren't. I mean, we we weren't allowed visitors either, actually. Especially ones but... that worked on a pig farm and a dairy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wandering... They have to test them for foot and mouth first. <laughs> it's not COVID. It's swine flu. It's fine. Oh, don't worry. Neil. They know me from the radio show. <laughs> I did think she was helpful though when she yes, said she I was did. she was ashamed about not wanting to bond with Chris and yeah worrying about Again, him. And... That's the thing, isn't it? I suppose if there's, as you said, as as Elizabeth Jane Howard said, you have an idea of perfection mm. in your head, and mm. then 
when it when it's when something isn't quite right you maybe it's as well because you feel so emotional when yeah. you know all those hormones and things yeah it just is 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 quite traumatic yeah. even if it's probably just the slightest thing like a tiny infection in the yeah. baby or you know it doesn't quite go to plan it's mm. pretty pretty devastating yeah I remember I mean I had two cesareans and I remember leaving the hospital um with Tilly and uh, the nurse said good news mum you can go home today and I was like really what I can leave can I with the I, I take the baby with me you sure <laughs> I go, okay no one's co- no one's coming with me it's just Are me you... then okay oh you don't right then okay I'm taking her no one's stopping me still taking her okay and we sort of got in the car and I thought bloody hell I felt like I'd stolen her well yes yeah, so I mean that's the thing, isn't it? Especially if it's your first, you're like, yeah. But this is like, this is a person. There's no grown up with mean... me. I've still got the baby. If no one stops me, I'm keeping yeah. it, right? Yeah, but I've got to keep it alive. Yeah. What? <laughs> this is very apposite because this will be going out on Mother's Day, won't it? So we've had Good. little Rex. <laughs> my my baby is eighteen, and oh, um, and this and is my first Martha. Mother's Day without my mum. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I just want to put like more. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, just, You're not I crying said. yet. <laughs> but actually, this week it's um, it's been quite emotional because the baby, the Alice baby thing, did bring back a lot of mm. memories, and then Mother's Day coming up has also brought back a lot of memories. I do feel quite. <laughs> Quite emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> no, it's all right. I'm doing a podcast about the archers. It's, <laughs> life's not that bad. <laughs> well, anyway, it's not about you, Harriet, <laughs> yeah, because... I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is, as I said to you, this is the only thing I can talk about. No, you, somebody... need, you need to talk about this now because we've had a letter, a proper letter from somebody wanting therapeutic help. Oh, my God, Lucy. God well, help her. I- I'm definitely not qualified. You're a little bit qualified. No, not remotely qualified. <laughs> uh, she's Kirsty Forrester, and she said she was tried to book an appointment through our Facebook page, but it wasn't the appointment system wasn't working. So I'm sorry about that, Kirsty. Um, <laughs> she said, I am a relatively normal, professional, 40-something mother of two. I am no prude and can manage a racy period drama without too much sniggering. But my problem lies with the archers. It seems that I am unable to listen to kissing on the archers without experiencing what can only be described as extreme cringing. Or Spe- revulsion. Specifically, I've been unable to listen to that kiss between Lee and Helen the other week without feeling the need to dive under the covers and pull these faces. She- Kirsty, we're a podcast. How can I describe... So- Green faces. No, no, no. Emojis. There's a little green face being sick. There's a skull. There's an alarmed face, a crying face, and a cross-eyed face with its tongue out. In fact, it makes me shudder every time I think of it Mm. over a week on. Is it, do you think, that Helen speaks to Lee like he is a small child? Or the fact that if you were treating yourself to extras, it would not be prawn toast that you would order? Honestly, I am very traumatised from having listened to it and really hope you can help. Love the show, Kirsty Forrester. Well, Kirsty. <laughs> yes, I actually agree with everything Kirsty says. I have no advice other than just never, Sympathy. ever listen to those bits. Turn the volume right down when you know they're about to touch lips. Did, Kirsty, did you, you don't look old enough to on your little picture that's come up on your email, but do you remember the Sid and Jolene in the shower? Because that was the episode and that was the scene that <laughs> has scarred many, many listeners. <laughs> And has probably created multiple personal hygiene problems that people are unable to get in the shower again, never mind have sex. Um, but that was deeply icky. And I think because it was the knowledge that they were in the nip that was that made it worse. I, I feel a bit sick. Yeah. It would also, because it's like Jolene and Sid was, I yeah. mean... To homophobic, me, he, he, hairy, he ugh, horrible sort of <laughs> pink yes. and sort of blobbery guy. Yeah, in my head anyway. I don't want to think too deeply. I just imagined him as really hairy. Yeah, so he probably was actually, wasn't mm. he? Yeah. No, but I, but it, it, there's something about the kissing sound effect, isn't there? Well, I just have to imagine that they're still kissing the back of their hands. 
And if I do I that... I don't know if they do that anymore. Don't you Don't tell they... me that they don't. That's how I've got through it. Don't tell me that they don't. They do. <laughs> I think they should have a standard sound effect yes. kiss. Because like, sometimes... What? Yes. Because yeah. often it is a bit too... Um, <laughs> isn't it? A bit too wet. <laughs> oh, Lee. Sorry, I'm just finishing off my cornetto. <laughs> oh, Helen, have you had the <laughs> tuna rye? <laughs> my friend went on a blind date once. I think I no, I think I set her up with him. I don't know why. And she's a very sort of like cool and beautiful girl. And they met at the Tate and he was late and she was sort of standing there, you know, really a bit pissed off anyway and he saw he came running over and he was all sweaty and he was midst eating a tuna sandwich no yes and she said after five minutes her stomach had just sort of turned she's a vegetarian as well which didn't help so but it, there's just something oh, about God. mouths and no the but stuff that shows in them. an incredible lack of empathy. oh yes but, if you yes. can do that you could do anything really yeah but he he's one of those lovely guys that's a bit academic and oh I see God but no that I agree yeah there's something gross about the lovey dovey bits isn't yeah. there it, yeah because they just sound disgusting <laughs> well they are they're what you said they're, they're too lip smacky yes. they're too lip smacky and kind of but even I suppose even sex sounds like Ugh, on the radio. <laughs> Are just so cringe, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> what they need to do is get get normal people and cut out some of those sounds, mm. you know, which are more believable, probably, because it's quite what hard. Do you mean, get normal people. You want you want them to record normal people having sex? <laughs> no, no, the TV series. Oh, you know, that normal the pe- sexy sorry. Irish ones. Oh, you know, yeah, okay. sexy Connor and sexy right. what's her name. Right. You know, they had very lovely watch you know lovely to watch sex i thought rather you know <laughs> properly erotic right <laughs> so what they need to do i suppose because the the actors on the arches you know they don't have as long to rehearse <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so... they really have sex area i'm pretty sure they probably have that written in their contract do you right? think they have an intimacy coach coming in when they when they have a snog so now you sound like you're putting your hand on her left boob and then she has to sound like she doesn't like it <laughs> and she says get off i bet their heart sinks every time they see helen and lee kiss yeah. in <laughs> Especially in COVID when they're recording a cry. Yes, you're right. They must still be doing it with their hands. (laughs) With their mask on. (laughs) Um, In your long career as voicey person, have you ever, ever, in your decades and decades... You know, I I love talking about it more than I love talking about premature babies, actually. (laughs) Have you ever had to do sex noises? Mm, only for computer games. Uh, what sort but, of games are you recording? <laughs> and for sexy sat nav. <laughs> um, but nothing too. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Back up, lady. <laughs> what do you mean, sexy sat nav? Well, What's when that? I when I started out, one of my very well-paid jobs was doing sexy sat nav. <laughs> In the days before, sort of. When it was, you know, when everyone had a Tom Tom, yes. and you could get different, you could get celebrities. Yes. So I did yes. like Kylie Minogue and Claudia Schiffer, and um, I think my Claudia Schiffer, because no one really knows what she sounds like, so they were like, <laughs> "Well, you know, just make her sexy, sexy satnav." So it was like, "Oh yeah, can you just turn to the left?" And it was, li- <laughs> it was, yeah, more, more. I want more acceleration on this. It was. I mean, that was sort of like, this is like, this is pre, sort of, this is pre-political correctness, I suppose. Right. But it, it was very hammy, like, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, and a lot of um, noises. And we'd all rather kind of think that on the arches, babies are conceived by a brisk, with a brisk handshake or something. <laughs> Quick slap on the back, don't need for all that. Mm, stuff. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but that's why it was so funny that Jazza delivered the baby because when you thought about it a bit, you know, more in depth, you realise that he was looking at Alice's vagina and <laughs> he didn't even comment on it. <laughs> He was very much in the moment. Well, when they, when she said, what can you see? I thought yeah. he was going to go, what do you think I can see? <laughs> Julie Bacon, the Reverend Julie Bacon, has oh, hi, Julie. Uh, messaged us and uh, was talking about, um, uh, yeah, the way that, that Chris, she, it's a long email. She said it's sort of a brain dump because she felt quite churned up by the whole week. Um, oh, but she said, "Well, it was an emotional week, wasn't it?" Yeah, and she agrees with you. She said, "While Alice was pregnant, she could claim Chris's attention on behalf of the child she was carrying. Now, as she's born, the gulf between them will simply widen. A desperate clinging Alice, haunted with guilt, further alienating oh. a husband who has not yet resolved his anger oh. towards the wife he still nevertheless loves." Oh, oh God. God! Oh, it's awful. Actually, it's gonna it's gonna be a really bumpy ride. Yeah, and she said, "I hadn't thought of this. Their physical separation at the time of Martha's birth symbolizes that gulf." Wow. Yeah. Wow. Surely it can yeah. only be a matter of time and probably not so very long either before Alice is back on the booze. Oh my God. Oh, um, it's just awful. I, said, I, might have a, I might have a break from the arches for a while. <laughs> I might have a drink. Um, <laughs> but she said on the positive side, it was great to hear Jim and Jazza stepping up superbly in a crisis. Yes. Uh, and it was a good diversion from Jade, wasn't it? They can, they can leave yes. that be now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Finally, I know Linda's got a bee in her bonnet about the first rule of being in the mysteries is that you can't talk about the mysteries. But because I really can't see why, I feel so sorry for Clary and uncertain about why Krusty seems to have adopted Alan Sugar as a role model. That's what you said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, totally, totally agree. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be a very nice storyline for the next couple. Of- I just want everything to be nice and liberal. But then maybe Susan's chat with her will help. She says, hopefully. Yes. They're not going to leave it, are they? She's going to drink. Yeah. They're not going to. They're not going to make it all okay and happily ever after. I don't think. No, Booker. If ever <laughs> there was a time when you just want everything to be wrapped up in a week and then it all to be hunky dory again, <laughs> it's now. Um, Lucy Harriet, Mister Newbie. This is from Rebecca Hadley. Um, thank you so much for this fantastic, fun, light-hearted podcast. Not very light-hearted this week, Rebecca. Mm. Sorry um, about that, everyone. Uh, she said, Harriet's, Harriet's voices are pure genius. Um, and Mr. Newby is <laughs> hilarious trying to work out who is who and gives us a different insight. Um, <laughs> and his profile she, picture. <laughs> she said, without wanting to sound like a right saddo, it's just so lovely to feel like I'm listening to two friends having a light-hearted, funny chat about the archers. Well, that's oh. what you are listening to. <laughs> I know, I mean, literally. literally we forget that we're recording. We just recording. forget. <laughs> No, that's because we're incompetent and amateurish, Harriet. I I always think it must be so boring for everyone to have to listen to me and you just having a chat. Lacking on. Oh, and she ends, P.S. Harriet, I've got my little plus card. Oh! Big on quality, little on price. Now that's big on quality and always little on price. (laughs) Thanks for doing that because it's worth it. Yeah. I can't remember what you get, but you get a load of coupons. (laughs) And you're put into competitions and things. Put into them. That implies that you don't have any choice. But anyway, I'm sure you do. Yes, Data Protection Act. Anyway, um, Leslie Wood uh, said this morning. Oh, yes, we got it totally wrong, by the way. You see, that was me trying to hurriedly explain the Aldridge family tree to Mr. Newby last week. And it went appallingly oh, wrong. Also, it went on for quite a long time, Lucy. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> well, there's so much to, was, to get across. It's not my fault that Brian can't keep it in his pants. If he could, it would have been a hell of a lot easier to wrap up. Um, she said, this morning found me wandering through the woods laughing wildly and then shouting, no, no, it was Paddy Redmond. I don't think anyone saw as I remain at liberty. Jennifer's children are Adam by the aforementioned cowman, Paddy Redmond. Debbie, by Rogers Travers Macy, who also adopted Adam. Ah, okay. Kate and Alice, by Brian. And Rua Rua Ri, as you correctly (laughs) said, is Brian's by Siobhan. And then she says, thank you for being so funny, though. I like the though at the end. Inaccurate, (laughs) but funny. Um, And uh, Sue Hanrahan agrees and said, um, although Adam had Roger's second name as a surname, Roger was not Adam's father. Okay. 
uh, and that is from Sue Hanrahan from Manchester with Jesse the Golden Retriever guide dog. Oh, I love oh, Golden Retriever guide dog. Yes, I do. And and um, also they've wrapped they've wrapped that up in about ten seconds, Lucy. It took you about ten minutes. Oh, shut <laughs> up! And <laughs> Pauline says that you got it wrong, actually, Harriet. So <laughs> she says my memory is that Rory had a tape from his mum, not a letter. So he did hear her voice. Oh. And that's what made him emotional. So yes, yeah. of course. Yes. Yes. So you were going... We did. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, it would so nice to hear Siobhan. We did. <sighs> Sorry about that, everybody. It's just she was so busy doing the M&S adverts. Uh, <laughs> she only had time to record a tape and not actually <laughs> come to life again. <laughs> And she said, I love the podcast and think Mr. Newby is a great addition. <laughs> Do you think we should now play Mr. Newby? Yes, yes. Okay. Mr. Newby's had a bit of a rough week. He exposed his bottom on Twitter. Somebody <laughs> reported him. We didn't tell him to expose his bottom on Twitter, I have to say. He just did that on a whim. Um, although, given half a chance, he'd probably do it anywhere anyway. Um, and somebody reported him. Thank you, you kind person who clearly has far too much time on your hands. And got him taken down temporarily. So he's now adjusted They were probably it. genuinely offended by it, Lucy. But did you see the bottom, though? I wouldn't have been offended by it. And that it was bottom. a great bottom. It, it was, was a great. great bottom. There aren't enough of them. And, um, <laughs> yes, so, but then he did some adjustments and uh, he's now wearing a dungarees with a floppy strap. Uh, so uh, that's better. So he's got away with it. Hoorah, so he's back. Anyway, let's play him now. Okay, after all the excitement of last week, I'm looking forward to something far more sedate this week. And in answer to my prayers, we begin with Neil and Shula discussing Neil's chairmanship of the parish council. And to mention how much I enjoy the little piggy grunts and snorts that invariably pop up in the background of any scene that Neil's in. At least, I hope they're piggy. If not, Neil needs to cut down on the asparagus. Back to the council, though. Am I alone in thinking that Neil's assertion that Emmer will be a shoe-in for the chairperson is a sure sign that it's going to be the most keenly contested race in generations? I'm somewhat surprised to hear that Shula's ordination seems to be in her own hands, and yet (laughs) she's done nothing about it yet. Perhaps deep down inside her cold, black heart, she understands that she'll be the worst vicar since (laughs) Torquemada. (laughs) Ha ha! Just kidding. Of course she doesn't understand. (laughs) She thinks there are three questions that she needs to answer before she can touch the cloth, so to speak. Uh. The first is, is she prepared to deal with difficult people? Aside from the irony of Shula asking herself this question, (laughs) I feel compelled to point out that if she weren't prepared to deal with difficult people, she'd have had to leave Ambridge years ago. (laughs) Oh, and here's a question from me. If Shula becomes a vicar, is it like when a young stag comes through in the herd to challenge the alpha? Will she and Alan need to fight to the death to see who gets the Ambridge gig? <laughs> if so, I've got 20 quid that says Shula inside three rounds. Absolutely. Last week I had my first polytunnel scene, and now Helen's asking David to take her up Lakey Hill, Helen? And even saying how much everybody <laughs> likes it up Lakey Hill. Helen. I feel like this is something of a coming Kirsty. of age for oh, me. Oh, yeah. I've been blooded, and now I can call myself an archer's listener. Backache all night, you say, Alice? I've been to enough antenatal classes to know that there's only one way this is going. Still, it's Alice's first baby, right? There's no way this is going to happen in the car, for instance, is there? The whole thing is going to take hours, if not days, and you can quote me on that. Right? Well, you all know what happened by now, so I don't have much to say about it, except that this whole thing was really nicely written. featured fantastic performances from everybody, but especially Emma... And at one point, I think it must have started raining on my cheeks. <laughs> I know jazz is not everybody's cup of tea and some of you find him infuriating, but I'm so pleased that he got and took a chance to show what he's really made of. Jazz and Jim might not be every prospective mother's labour buddy dream team, <laughs> but was there ever any doubt that I'm they'd sure. get the job done? No, Stop. there wasn't. Can you be proud of fictional characters? Well, I can, oh. and I am. Oh. I do have one question, though. Is there some significance to Alice's talking about it being the second baby? Ah, yes. There has to be, right? Yep. That can't be a red herring. And something that Jazz is going to start asking questions about, presumably. What have I missed? Oh. So, Alice feels guilty about the (laughs) premature birth, which isn't a huge surprise, I suppose. Regardless of whether her alcoholism had anything to do with it, and five weeks prem isn't uncommon, I don't think, 
What is worrying is her refusal to pick up the baby. Shame? Postnatal issues? Both? In any event, it oh. spells trouble. And although Chris is obviously trying not to show that he's bothered by it all, he must be having a hard time with it. Still, good news is on the horizon. It's Alan he bumps into in the canteen and not Shula. Brian's turned up with a bottle of scotch for the man of the moment, and although car upholstery shampoo might have been more practical, at least Jim can have a glass of something nice while he's flicking through Auto Trader. <laughs> if we were looking for reasons for Alice's postnatal issues, and even her alcoholism though, I'm not sure we'd need to look much further than Brian's admission that A, he buggered off to the races after Alice was born, and B, he wished she'd been a boy. Yes. <laughs> the day I met Brian, I took a dislike to him, and nothing he's done or said since has given me cause to change my mind. The most selfless thing he's done in ages, if you ask me, is to step out of the room so that Jim and Jazza can start to kiss and make up, and unless I'm very much mistaken, there's more than a hint of resignation in Jazza's voice when he talks about Jay. Yes. I hope Tracy's been keeping up her dental hygiene because I reckon she's back in the picture. <laughs> I can completely understand Chris latching onto Alan and dragging him up to the ward to bless the baby. When my son was born, he was quite unwell, and despite our both being the lapsedest of lapsed Catholics, his mother and I baptised him ourselves in the room. You know, just in case. No. Nonetheless, Chris probably ought to have run it past Alice with more than five seconds' notice, and actually, Alan should have picked up the clues and made himself scarce yeah. until tomorrow. Terribly sorry, tombola emergency, can't be helped, that kind of thing. Once he's started, though, he can't possibly win. How long has he been the vicar in Ambridge? He talks a good game with Shula, but he's dropped the ball here, I reckon. An alpha stag ripe for the taking, maybe. And Martha Jasmine? I like it. Although I saw somebody saying on Twitter that there's been a Martha in Ambridge before. Yes. Like I don't have enough trouble keeping track of who's who. <laughs> the writers reusing names is all I bloody need. <laughs> Today's blurb on the BBC website says Susan has concerns for a loved one and I've just spent a good 10 minutes wondering how bad things would have to get for that to happen. Oh. Back to the actual show and I have no idea what Chris is doing in Susan O'Neill's kitchen at such an important time unless he's... Yeah, he's their son. <laughs> how has this not been mentioned? I've been listening to this show for over three months now during which time Chris, Susan and Neil have all featured large and yet... And I've checked my notes on this. Not once have they acknowledged each other, let alone their relationship. Did the writers forget and only remember when it was time to write some grandparent bits? Anyway, Susan and Neil are, just as promised, worried about Chris and somehow persuade him that things will be all right if he lets them take care of things. Well, I suppose he's got to make that mistake once, so he might as well get it out of the way while Martha's still in hospital and there are medical professionals to mitigate the worst of whatever happens next. <laughs> what on earth is going on with this bloody play? I did Amdram for years and only once in all that time was I ever held to secrecy about anything and that was a massive Hello Kitty costume which I think we can all agree was indeed very important. When the whole village is involved anyway, what difference does it make who tells who what? Poor old Clary. Assuming that Kirsty's telling the truth and this has come from Linda, I'm not impressed with our MBE. Clary's so excited about it all, and honestly, even I know that it's not reasonable to expect her to keep it to herself. It's Clary! Jesus, it's like kicking a puppy, but <laughs> Kirsty's empathy only runs so deep, it seems. Yeah. Another bit of acting and writing here, between Chris and Alan. It's been a good week for this sort of thing. As I mentioned, my first child was born with issues, and those first few weeks, which I'd always assumed would be joyous, ended up being chaotic and terrifying and utterly discombobulating in every way, and I think they've just about nailed that here. Mm. This stuff about Chris's feelings for Alice is good too. Dead easy to just write this as, it's not your fault, Alice, I support you, whatever happens. But it's not that simple in real life, is it? Well done, everybody. And will whoever that is, please stop chopping onions. Oh, and now Susan's actually saying all the right things to Alice about motherhood. And now I hope that my expense account runs to a new hanky. Aww. What expense account? Don't get <laughs> carried away with the idea of expense accounts. Um, quick question answering. Martha was Martha Woodford, who used to run the village shop. And the reason she said the other baby was because when she was having the DTs, after she came off uh, alcohol too quickly, um, she just decided to try and detox herself, didn't she? Mm, yeah, that was quite confusing, though, wasn't yes, it? Yes, then she I mean, said, we all... 
that she had a, 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 a hallucination that she'd had the baby and the baby had died in the bath. Mm. The baby was in the bath dead. And um, she could see that very, very clearly. So that's remained with her as a memory. And that's why she was so worried about having the baby in real life because the last, she said, the you know, the second, the first time it was dead. That's what she was thinking. Yeah. That was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yes, it was horrible. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it was cursed. It was cursed. Kirsty. Yes, and We're I got Blakey that. Hill. I've completely forgotten. Yeah, who that yeah. was. Yes. Um, oh, do you know what? I really hope that next time we do this podcast. We're all saying, ha, 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 what a miraculous turnaround. And <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? But, and that's the end of the Archers. Yeah. They all lived happily ever after. Bye. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I'd like that. I'd like it. I'll even put up with the flipping passion play or whatever it's called. I can't wait for the passion play. The passion I play. hope it's like... Um, uh, the Theatre of Brent. Oh, you I know. love that. <laughs> National Theatre of Brent. <laughs> I hope they make the passion play like that. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. I can hope Harrison's loin... Yeah. You can't laugh at the jeebus. It's not allowed. But I hope Harrison's loincloth falls off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Clary whisks it away accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought that was my own cheat out there. <laughs> Oh, God, yes. Well, here's hoping. So that's going to get us through, isn't it? In the midst of all the... Lucy, I think we actually should write it for them. Shall we? (laughs) Yes, I think we should. Oh, why don't we do our own one? Yay! Can we do our own passion play? It's called the Ambridge on the Couch Passion Fruit. Yes, okay. Yes. (laughs) Okay. An Easter special. With you as everyone. (laughs) You'll be exhausted. And now we cross to Ambridge itself to hear what's going on on the therapist's couch. Ooh, this is interesting handwriting, Jeff. Greek ease. It's a Linda Snellumb. Snellumb? That's unusual. Actually, it's Linda Snell, M-B-E. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs Snell, and congratulations on the honour. Oh, thank you. I don't like to make a thing out of it, but as the village was kind enough to nominate me, I do use it occasionally. You know, forms, Christmas cards, notes to the milkman, etc. Yes, I see. How can I help you? Well, you are probably aware of my forthcoming production... I'm sorry, I'm not. Oh, I am surprised. The village has talked of nothing else. I will be engineering an immersive passion play. Well, that sounds ambitious. Ambitious? Hardly. You're talking to a woman whose Antigone is still being talked of in Sunningdale. Goodness. The thing about living in a village is that it lacks glamour. I don't mean the Lillian Bellaby sort of glamour, if that's how you want to refer to her rather desperate displays of leopard-skin flamboyance. I mean art, spirit, an alternate reality. Do you find that frustrating? Well, one must always find an outlet for one's creativity. It's not a choice. Oh, yes, Ambridge is a hotbed of cultural progressiveness when one peers under its tranquil veneer of rural peace. We have both a sculptor and poet within our bounds, and a singer. Audiences at the most recent talent show were so moved by Bert's triptych of odes to the artichoke that they had to leave. Christopher, our blacksmith, creates stunning works from aluminium gin and tonic cans, of which he seems to have an inexhaustible supply. And, of course, our pub landlady, Jolene, is a singer. I mean, her repertoire does seem to include some rather regrettable choices, but one must not be snobbish, Nestpa. To be fair, most of them seem to be about women whose husbands run away with their pickup trucks. I don't claim to understand the appeal, but Robert says there are two very important points about Jolene which you can't overlook. He didn't explain what they were, though. Your chosen field is amateur dramatics. Amateur? I would hardly put Ambridge in the Charlie's Aunt School of Amdram. We are 
regularly reviewed in the Borchester Echo, often by Dylan Nels, who is glowing about my own achievements. Fortunately, I am blessed in a husband who seems able, despite being an IT consultant, to knock up an entire elaborate, fully mechanised set at the drop of a hat. The local pigman, who manages hugely complex light and sound arrangements, as long as you can shout over the strange groaning noises he makes, and the entire village, who will happily devote what feels like interminable months of rehearsal time after only token resistance. You must be very persuasive. Well, they have to, really, as otherwise the plot can't progress. People have to have somewhere to have relationships and massive rows, you see. There is a certain formula to our pieces, it's true. Firstly, I go round the village announcing to everyone that I'm doing a production, but I won't tell them what it is. Then everyone starts planning their excuses as to why they can't be involved. One by one, I pick them off using a combination of cunning and abuse. Then it all goes hopelessly wrong for about three weeks. Then the cast starts whinging and threatens to go on strike. Someone unlikely rallies the cast and before you know it, we're putting on a BAFTA-winning performance. Well, you're clearly very experienced, Mrs Snell. MBE. Sorry, yes, MBE. Uh, but I'm a little confused as to how I can help. I need you to play mystery. In my production. But I'm not an Ambridge resident, Mrs Snell, MBE. I couldn't join in your play. Oh, nonsense. Art knows no boundaries. When we did Robin Hood, our Friar Tuck had only popped in to read the meter. Oh, who, who is mystery, anyway? Whore of Babylon. Oh, this is my best cardigan. We mustn't be small-minded. I'm s- sorry, Mrs Snell, MBE, but I can't possibly be in your play, whore or not. It's fine. I'll just come back next week and you'll have changed your mind by then. I assure you I will not. Well, we'll see. Goodbye for now. And do think about what I said. Cheek. Whore of Babylon. You don't think I'd make a good whore, do you, Jeff? Jeff? Oh, suit yourself. that there'll be another podcast up next week so subscribe to us on itunes and you'll never miss an episode if you'd like to get in touch with us you can email ambridge on the couch at gmail.com after our frankly pathetic <laughs> advice to kirsty forrester i don't know why you'd bother but give it a go anyway we are at on ambridge on twitter or you can follow mr newbie if he hasn't been banned again for displaying parts of his anatomy that should remain shielded on twitter at newbie couch and in the meantime it's au revoir <laughs> from what? <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. And goodbye from her. Right, Linda. <laughs> Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>